Pastor Ed Taylor on how prayer is such an important part of evangelism. If you want to have a heart for evangelism, you've got to pray. You've got to have a heart for the lost. You've got to see beyond the devastation that sin has done, beyond the militant attitudes of some groups on the earth today, and see the people that apart from Jesus, just being used or taken advantage of, they need Jesus. We, we need to be men and women of prayer. This is amazing grace. If you're at all like most Christians, you really struggle with sharing your faith. Maybe you don't know what to say or how to say it, or you have a fear about what others will think or say when you do. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor offers some practical helps on how to share your faith with confidence and boldness. We'll recall a time when Andrew brought someone to Jesus in John chapter 1. Did you know that over 50 million Americans claim to have some fear or phobia? in one way or another. Maybe you're one of them. How many of you have a fear or a phobia? I know, it's like some people have fear of heights. Some people have fear of closed, tight spaces. Some people have fear of spiders. We put a couple under the chairs (laughs) just to see which ones would run out. Well, many years ago, and it's an article that I clipped that Time Magazine had a cover story on fear, and they went through all the different phobias and fears that people claim to have. And I want to share a few of them with you just so you understand the depth of this fear. There is cathosophophobia, which is the fear of sitting. The next one, ablutophobia, I hope that none of you have the fear of bathing. Cyclophobia is the fear of bicycles. How about this one? Electrophobia is the fear of chickens. So like you don't go down that aisle in Costco where all the chicken is. You know, you're just like, I don't want to go down there, honey. You go get the bag. Chickens. It's real. It's real. I'm not making these up. Arachabutrophobia. The fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. A lot of kids have this one, arithmophobia. It's the fear of numbers or math. How about you fans of the Twilight Zone? Some of you have this, automatonophobia, the fear of ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> Ecclesiophobia is the fear of church. Hatophobia is the fear of hell. That's some, some people have to have that one. You need that one. Aranophobia is the fear of heaven. And my favorite of all the list, phobophobia. The fear of having or getting a phobia. (laughs) Let me add a couple to you in light of the topic today. Christians have a fear. There's not a name for it, but Christians have a fear. And there is this fear of sharing the gospel with someone else. 
you just have a fear. They fear of the response, fear how you're going to be treated. You don't know what you're going to say, and there's a fear. Some Christians just are afraid to share the gospel, a fear of evangelism. But let me give you another one. Unbelievers, those that aren't followers of Jesus Christ, they also share a fear of evangelism. They do not, and they, they fear you coming to them with the truth and talking to them about the deepest, darkest issues of their heart so that they are revealed before God. And the hope of salvation is presented to them. And let me just say this. The fear of evangelism is not a healthy fear for you to have. The fear of sharing your faith. And I realize you may be uneasy about going up to a total stranger and starting a conversation with them. Or you have the fear of even opening up in a conversation with somebody you know and love and taking that conversation toward the topic of Jesus and the things of God. But it's not a healthy fear to have. As uneasy as it might be. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. You see, evangelism, one person telling another person about Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven and the fear of hell and the reality of hell. Well, evangelism is God's way of bringing more and more people into a saving faith in Jesus Christ. 99.9% of the people listening to my voice right now have a relationship with Jesus Christ because someone told them about Jesus. Now, you say 99.9%. I'm just leaving 0.1% just in case there's something I don't know. Like some dream. Maybe you got a dream. You know, in, in the Middle East right now, in the many years that we were serving in Egypt, among, among the, the wonderful people of Egypt in the Middle East, there was testimony after testimony of God himself, Jesus showing up in dreams. You know, in the Quran, did you know in the Quran that Jesus is mentioned five times more than the prophet Muhammad? It's not like he's hidden. I know they refer to him as a prophet and a good teacher, but you know, whenever Jesus is mentioned, Jesus can show up and verify the reality and the truth of his presence. He is real. And so we met even the pastor that we served with, one of the methodologies that God used to bring him to himself was a vision of himself at the foot of his bed. Amazing, amazing thing. So 99% of folks that have heard the gospel, even in our culture, did so because somebody else shared their faith with them. Just like we see here in John chapter 1, we've already covered these passages, scriptures, but I want to bring, come back and just show you and draw out for you, beginning in verse 40, something very, very important for us that needs to be, we need to be reminded of this. There's a world outside of the four walls of this building that is lost and dying. And apart from Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. That's just a reality. And we have an obligation, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to share Jesus and bring others to Jesus. We see it right here in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. Notice what he did. He did two things. Verse 41. Number one, he first found his own brother, Simon. That means he went looking for him. He was so excited about finding Jesus. That he was so excited about having a relationship with the Messiah. So excited about his sins being forgiven and the fulfillment of God's promises that he went looking for his brother. This was a message that needed to be shared. This is very much like the woman at the well. When she came and there she was, a a woman with such a dark, deep, horrible past and all the men in in and out of her life and even the man that she was with then, uh, she wasn't even married to and involved in all kinds of sexual sin, living together, not being married, all of the, just the, 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 just the past that is so, could so easily bury us. Jesus came and relieved her and released her from her past by responding to her humble, repentant heart, forgiving her. And what was the first thing she did? As unpopular as she was, can you imagine this woman? 
that was with all kinds of men, how unpopular she would be among the men and the wives of the community. But that didn't stop her because she's a different person now. And she came and shared the gospel and they came and many in the city responded. Why? Because she did just like, made you so excited. It's like when you were a new believer, I'm sure this was you. I'm sure you were excited by what God's doing in your life. And oftentimes we'll go right directly to those that are closest to us, our family. And I know it's not well received. I know they just kind of, I remember when I was sharing with my family what God was doing in my life. There was this sense that I was in a cult. It's like, well, what are you doing? Reading the Bible? Uh, you're, not in, you're not involved in all that? No, I'm not, I mean, I just want to tell you, you need, you need Jesus. Like, what are you involved in? I'm involved in a church. That's what I'm involved in. I love God now. And even though you're not well received, there's that burden. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my kids saved. I want to see my mom saved. I want to see my sister, my brother. I want to see my family saved. Well, that, that was what Andrew was doing here. He found him. And then verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. He brought him. First he found him, then he brought him. That is evangelism in its simplest form. You are on the lookout for people that need Jesus, and then you bring them to Jesus, or even more so, you bring Jesus to them, the message of the gospel, that you can be delivered from your sin. You can be forgiven of your sin. You can live a life that pleases God and not yourself. And so today, I believe that we're going to gain wisdom and insight from the Word of God to better equip us to regularly share our faith. Knowing that the coming of the Lord is at hand, and knowing that the days in which we live are evil, and knowing that those who do not have a saving faith in Jesus will perish, will go to hell for an everlasting, for everlasting, whatever. I mean, as, as, as much as our minds cannot comprehend it, it is not a good end. Listen, friend, listen. Don't tune me out so quickly. For those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want you to know that you're not living up to the capacity, to the place that God has for you. You're not living according to your creation. I know you might be happy, and I know you might even be satisfied, but you'll live a happy, satisfied life, and it will end abruptly and quickly. It always ends too quickly. You have to give account for your life. And you have to give account for what God has done for you in sending his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And if, you, you know, you, you and I, we're going to have to answer, all of us are going to have to answer for our sins. All of us. All of us. We're either going to answer for our sins by saying, you know, I, accept, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He, I believe he covered my sins. Or you're going to you're gonna have to answer for your own sin and go, well, I just took my chances, God. I just took my chances. I was religious. You know, I was in and out of church, but, but I took my chances. And I want you to know today that it's not wise to take your chances because the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. You're taking your chances. I'm letting you know you're not taking your chances. You're making a decision. And that decision is, well, to go it alone and have to pay the price. You see, either Jesus is going to pay the price for your sin or you're going to pay the price for your sin. There isn't a third option. So for us to be able to learn how to share the gospel, to not be afraid, to understand how to walk somebody through the Bible when it comes to the topic of sin, I want to help you today. So we're going to start by sharing some practical steps, some things to consider, and then we're going to end our time by walking through just one methodology, one tool that you can use to share the gospel with someone. So if you're a note taker, this is a great day for you because there's going to be a lot to write down. 
If you're not a note taker, today would be a great day to start to, to consider these things because you're going you're gonna to miss a lot if you don't take notes, but, but you'll pick up the study later on. You're going to take notes then. So either way, it's good to learn to take notes in every Bible study because God has a word for you. He, he has something for you to receive. He has something for you to grow in. And so for those of you that are taking notes, let's start. Number one. Number one, considerations with when it comes to evangelism. Number one, be a person of prayer. Evangelism requires prayer. Salvation is a work of God, and so we need to be in tune with God to be ready to be used by Him. You can pray for yourself, and I think that's wise. Ask God to give you a boldness and a courage as He opens doors before you. I think it's important for us to pray for the lost, not only in general, but also by name. You know, pray that God would give you a burden and a heart for those that are lost around you, that those that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that it wouldn't become some political thing where we get critical and caustic instead of seeing that these are just people that need Jesus. You know, whole groups of society are being written off. I think of the homosexual community where it's becoming so political for the church. And you go, look at their behavior and look what they're into and, and respond to the militant parts of the movement. But I want, you to, I want to tell you, they, men and women, are people that Jesus Christ died for to bring them into a full relationship. You know, they're just looking for relationship, dealing with things in their mind. You know, I know the militant section of anything is very, very disturbing, but hey, it doesn't represent everyone. And so there's the church pointing the finger, and there's the church pounding the pulpit, and there are people that are dying and going to hell because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to love their people. They need to be loved. They're just people that need to be brought into the fullness, not just that community, the community of those that are in sexual sin, the bar scene. I think of up and down Colfax Avenue. If you drive down up and down Colfax, especially at night, you're going to see a lot of women walk in the streets. You're going to see a lot of prostitutes. You're going to see men and women prostitutes there. It's heartbreaking. It's horrible. You know, you could drive down Colfax. What's wrong with this community? Or you can drive down Colfax and go, Lord, break my heart because these poor girls need you. And not only break my heart, but how would you use me? How would you use me to make a difference? You know, we can, we, we can, get, we can allow, you know, the, the world to be, become so politically charged. You know, we, we disagree with those that are in, the, in, in positions of authority. We disagree with their philosophy, ideology. But do we pray for them? That's what the Bible says. Are we just going to point out every problem and say, I can't believe this. You know, I, I think of the first century. Uh, the, the world that Jesus lived in was very sexually charged, very deviant. I mean, it was, it was flaunted and approved by the government. I mean, it was just out there. It was in your face. You know, Jesus lived and served in, a, in, a, in, in that type of environment. And you know what? It became an opportunity for him, man. He just met people when they're hurting right where they're at and all sorts of things. I mean, the, the head of the government at the time were killing people for their faith, lopping their heads off, crucifying them. And if we don't pray for a heart for the lost, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the opportunities. Hey, I, I know that things are getting bad. I realize it. And it breaks my heart to see people ripped off with false relationships. And, you know, the government doesn't help, certainly. And, and, and drugs being approved that, that should, should never be legal. Just like, you know, when I got saved, I left that stuff behind. When I got saved, I, I dumped that stuff. When I got saved, that, that kind of stuff was ruining lives. You know what? It's still ruining lives. But now, now because certain things are legal... 
you know, I don't think they were thinking, well, personally, I don't think there was, they were thinking of what, what, what kind of money would be made on this. You know, it was all about money, and for sure, taxes. But, man, with the stuff, they're crystallizing it, and they're putting it in brownies. And I don't think they thought that kids would be eating those brownies, you know, climbing up on the counter just like kids do. And you got the good brownies, and you got the brownies mom and dad were supposed to hide. And then, you know, I don't want that one. I want that one. And before you know it, he's in the ER. He called 911. They're in the ER. They overdosed on, on what? Brownies? Where, where did that come from? Well, you know, that's the society we live in. And you read that, you listen to that on the news, and, and, you know, there's probably just a little bit of anger, but I hope there's also brokenheartedness. Like, this is a family we need. You know, how, you know how society changes? Society changes. The darkness of society doesn't change by cursing the darkness. By cursing, I can't believe the darkness. I can't believe the darkness. I can't believe the darkness. That doesn't change. You know, you know what changes a society in darkness? You know, what, you know what takes away darkness? Try it tonight. Try it tonight. Just at the deepest, darkest time, and you pull all the curtains, close all the blinds, the darkness of your house, and, and find a big lighter or a match and just whoosh, and see how fast the darkness flees from the light. And the Bible says that you and I, we are salt and light on the earth today and may God use us as vessels of love. I know you've got to train yourself, church, to look beyond the sin and see the person. Because if you never see the person, you can't share the gospel with sin. But you can share the gospel. And I am so grateful in my own life. I I was the kind of guy that you would look and you would write off. No doubt you would have written me off. You go, that guy, he's just a drain on society. I mean, I was in and out of the legal system. I I was causing havoc and mayhem in my community. I I was ripping people off. I was drunk all the time. You name it. Uh, You name it. And it just, you know, you're just like, forget him. Let's move on to someone else. I am so grateful, number one, that God didn't write me off. And number two, God surrounded me with people that were praying for me. And when their pastor said, hey, you know, go share the gospel with somebody who really needs it, somebody said, I know who really needs it. Because he was praying for me. And, and that, that our society, that, that's how things, just turn the light on, church. Be open to a work of the Spirit. Don't let other people influence you. Let the Holy Spirit influence you. Have a heart for the lost. How, how do I get a heart for the lost? Pray for yourself and for others. And for some, you need to name them by name. You need to pray for them by name. Write them down. I got a buddy in Texas that every year he uh, buys a new Bible at the beginning of the year, a through-the-year Bible. And as he's going through each day to read through the Bible, what he does is he writes names on that page of the people he's praying for. I happen to be somebody he's been praying for this last year, so sometimes I'll just get a text of my name on the day, on the page, with a little thing. So I just want to let you know I'm praying for you today. I thought, what a great idea. What a great idea. You know, your Bibles you already have, there's blank pages in the back. Maybe you can just write there, people that you're praying for. I know in my Bible, uh, in my Bible, I have post-it notes that I use back there of people that I'm praying for. And then when God works in their lives and things change, I change the post-it note and I put a whole new list of names so that I can see, okay, Lord, you're working. But, but if you want to have a heart for evangelism, you've got to pray. You've got to have a heart for the lost. You've got to see beyond the devastation that sin has done, beyond the militant attitudes of some groups on the earth today, and see the people that apart from Jesus, just being used or taken advantage of, they need Jesus. We, we need to be men and women of prayer. Secondly, secondly, when it comes to evangelism, kind of preparation, we need to learn how to be supernaturally natural. That's something that's been handed down to us. Um, That's a real positive way of saying things. Okay, church, I want you to be natural and be yourself when you're sharing the gospel. And let the Holy Spirit use you. Be supernaturally natural. That's a positive way of saying it. Let me give you the negative way of saying it. Saying the same thing a different way. Be supernaturally natural or don't be weird. 
when you're sharing the gospel. Don't be weird. Don't be offensive. Do you know that the gospel message is offensive? But what I've learned serving over the years, and I certainly fell into this trap as a new believer, is that I was so offensive that they were offended at me and never were able to hear the offense of the gospel. So don't be weird. Don't, don't get in people's face and point at them. And, you know, don't pound. Be yourself. Let the Holy Spirit use you. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the, him using us, and we talk about evangelism, some people really get afraid because this is what they think. They think, well, if I pray for the Holy Spirit to help me, and, and I'm really ready to evangelism, I, it's just going to happen at the most inopportune time. Like, like there I am. I, I'm in line at King Supers, and I got my milk, and I got my eggs, and I got my loaf of bread, and I'm just praying for the lost, and I'm just afraid God's going to come upon me, and he's going he's to impress upon me to pick up that loaf of bread and to stand up on the cart and to yell at the top of my lungs, listen everyone, Jesus said he's the bread of life. <laughs> Repent. Those of you that have no bread in your cart, you need bread. And it's like, come on, man, that's just weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's weird. Please forgive me, but if you've ever done that, you're just weird, man. That's just not, that's not going to work. You go back into work so excited, and there you are. You work in a place where all the desks are together, and you stand up on the desk. Jesus, I just heard a message, and all of you are going to hell. And then you walk from desk to desk. You're going to hell. And, you know, come on. You're, you're getting fired, number one. And then you're going to come back and go, oh, they're persecuting, they're persecuting me. Then, no, no, no. You're just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be yourself. Build relationships. Let the Lord use you. Relationship evangelism, so wonderful. Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Pastor Ed, the focal emphasis of your message was leading others to Jesus. And one simple way we can do that is to invite an unsaved friend or family member to Easter service. Would you tell folks listening right now what we have planned at Calvary Church this weekend? Yeah, we have a lot planned. It's such an encouraging time for us. Just like many churches around the country, even around the world, we add extra services to make room for those that would uh, come, those that would be invited to make sure that we have enough space for all the people that want to worship. So for us, everything starts here on Friday at noon. It's a lunch break service where we talk about and consider Good Friday and the death and scourging of Jesus. Then our services start Saturday night at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., and then we're going to gather together kind of a modified sunrise. The sun's really already up, but it's 645, 845, and 1045. And the weekend services are all the same. Uh, we'll be sharing the same message, and we're just adding extra services to make room for all the wonderful people we're going to meet, all the wonderful people that are coming back, and all the wonderful people that call Calvary their home. And here in Colorado, if you're listening, we also broadcast our services live on the Grace FM radio network or online at gracefm.com, and that's another way 
audibly, you know, in audio version. You can join us. You can join us online through our different media outlets, YouTube, our live stream, Facebook. Uh, that's all accessible by our app. So you should download our app, no, turn on notifications, and let us communicate, stay in touch with you. Just go to wherever you get your apps, uh, the App Store on Apple, Google Play, I think, on Androids, and just put my name in the search, Ed Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, our Apple pop-up, download it, turn on notifications, and when Easter comes, we can't wait to see you, we can't wait to serve you, and we look forward to all that God wants to do. Go to calvaryco.church for more information or to watch our live stream. We're really excited about this month's offer. It's a book written by Chuck Smith. It's Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go around, that love is the answer, and all you need is love. But what is love, really? And why is it so hard for so many to find? That and more is explored in Love, The More Excellent Way. And we'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.